Good evening, America. Force reports is ordered. Yes, you are now listening to the sounds of Sports Reports is ordered. And even though the Phoenix Suns are low managing, we not. <laughs> we ain't going to leave you hanging like you're hardened at the airport. Not at all. 82 games. We here. All it's 17 Thursday. NFL games. We got picks. We got previews. We got the World Series starting tomorrow. How many people actually know that the World Series starts tomorrow? I don't think baseball cares. So, over here, we got the one and only world famous bringing it to your dome, foot on your neck. Mr. Logical. And I am. That some bitch they call too far. Sports reports is on this here, and we're gonna get you started with a little bit of get it off my chest. All right, yeah. So, like I said, I talk about my my sons and their their sports careers. Uh, this is a bit of a somber get off my chest, but we, as parents and fans, we are supporting a teammate. Uh, his father, his stepfather is suffering with brain cancer. So we, they have a playoff game tomorrow. So a lot of us bought this hoodie support squad. If you can't read it, it says, we don't like you either brain cancer. He's suffering from brain cancer. He's been suffering for that for over a year. Uh, very, very, very good dude. Like I said, I don't want to mention his name. Cause like I said, I didn't clear with the family. So I don't want to put their information out. Uh, but just a good dude. He was uh, one of the coaches with the league. It's big, you know, just a big personality. One of those, like those, those, those hardworking blue collar guys. You just, you need to have around. I, I don't think I've ever seen him with sleeves on a t-shirt in the summertime at these practices. Just the cutoff shirt, the beard. Just you know, just a big jovial guy, a uh, big helpful guy. And it's just unfortunate that he is, uh, he, he he's not in a winning position with this uh, with, with, uh, with cancer. So heart goes out to the family, condolences out to the family as he's as they're battling um, in his later days. I believe he's in hospice care. I'm not sure if he's going to be able to make it to the game tomorrow, uh, but he made it to all the games this year, even the JV games, you know, so just he's there. Personality is still on point. It's just, you know, it, it's just very, it's very sad how a cancer can just kind of ravage a person's body, but hopefully it galvanizes people to understand like, yo, this, this time we have when this rock as it rotates around the sun isn't very long. It's limited. It's the, every day the ticker goes, every day that passes, that ticker goes, you don't get time added on. So enjoy that time. And when your time is getting close to the end, just be thankful and, and, and excited for the people who are around you, support you, the people that su- support you, your family, because in, in the moment that you pass, you're still going to want your family to be supported. They're still going to be here on this rock. Uh, so once again, like I said, you know, just supportive, uh, a family member, because when you, when you play sports and you play football, especially, and you played here in central, anywhere in Jersey, it is a family operation. There's, there's plenty of times where you've had three sets of shoulder pads in your trunk because you picked up your kid, his friend and another kid, and you dropped them all off and you took them all the games or after the game, you take them all to Chick-fil-A, like. 
it becomes a family. Like my my son has been at his he he told me in one of the games like he's like I've seen your son this summer just as much as I see my own because they were there because they had two a day practices. So, um, you know, it's just heartfelt condolences to uh to them and their family, and hopefully we can pull off this miracle victory tomorrow. Uh, number 16 team ranked in the playoffs versus number one team. So it's going to be tough, but you know, we're, uh, you know, we're showing our support as best we can. For sure. So. Prayers and well wishes to the family. You know, I've been through that, you know, um, the wife had cancer a few years ago, you know, thyroid cancer had to get it take out, taken out and everything. So, you know, like definitely, uh, very humbling and changes your perspective on a whole lot of things, you know what I'm saying? So like, for sure. so for sure, you know, hopefully, you know, the family um, can get through this. It's going to be a rough time. And, you know, like people out here, we, we supporting y'all, you know, we thinking about y'all, yeah. you know? Um, so uh, get it off my chest. You know, um, I know those who know me personally, are going to call me a hater. You know what I'm saying? Because they know that I've been trying to get Black Brad, and I only call him Black Brad because I associate Brad with like a white name, but Black Brad, Bradley Bill, you know, is I was trying to get him off of the Wizards for like the last three years so we can start this rebuild. So now he went over to Phoenix. You know, he's out there with Devin Booker. He's out there with Kevin Durant. And he sat out opening night and I'm like, okay. They said he had a sore back. Like, I'm like, okay, you know, my back hurts sometimes. And maybe if I could get off work, I would too. But he's not playing tonight either. And then they're like, oh, uh, Devin Booker's out with a foot injury. And I'm like, hey, even Kawhi played the other night. You know, like, what are we doing right here? So low management, right? I know that everybody has their opinion on it one way or the other. Some people say it's smart. We're trying to save the players until the playoffs. And so that way they're at their apex of their abilities. You know, some of us say, yo, we watched Michael Jordan and all these other people from the 80s play through injury, play through being hurt. Whether it was smart or not is a whole nother issue. But we just know that our athletes from our generation didn't miss a game unless they had to. So Correct. with that being said, okay. Load management. The NBA has come up with this rule that you have to play 65 games to be eligible for the awards, to be eligible for the all-NBA teams. That's fine. But the season just started. Like, can you play, like, three games and maybe your back gets a little sore and you sit out on a random Tuesday night? Not opening night. Not in L.A. playing against the Lakers right now where I know people pay top dollar for those seats. Wait, while you're talking, I'm going to look it up. Keep and, going. And you're not playing because your back hurts. Because what's wrong with Devin Booker's foot? You know, he looked okay to me when he was shooting like 70% against the Warriors the other night. You know, and now all of a sudden his foot hurts and he can't play. But with that being said, you know, what's going to make me even matter is if the Lakers keeps this shit up, and are letting the Suns beat them right now without Devin Booker and Bradley Beal. You at least got to make them pay and suffer if they're not going to play their best players. You know, but I got 52 to 48 right now. You know, Eric Gordon with the ball. He kicks it out. We got time running out. The Suns didn't get the shot off. 
So 52 to 48 halftime Phoenix over the Lakers right now. So if the Lakers lose this game with no Devin Booker, no Bradley Bill, I'm not trying to hear it's going to take time to gel. I'm not trying to hear it. But what I'm not trying to hear and what I hope doesn't happen is that I hope the rest of these NBA teams don't follow the Suns playbook. And while we're at it, hold on. We got Buffalo with a fourth and one. 31 seconds left. They just called timeout. I guess they were trying to get Tampa offsides. So it looks like they're going to punt 24 to 18, 31 seconds left. Yeah. You're a little bit behind. Okay. Oh, you yeah. got in front of me. How about that? Amazon. I'm on, I'm on Amazon. You yeah, I'm on my app? phone. Yeah, I'm on yeah. my phone. Yeah. We got 16 seconds, second and three for Tampa Bay. Uh, I got the latest game on my TV. They're on their own 30-something, no timeouts. Baker just did – oh, they, they blew the whistle for something. something Todd Bowles always looks like he's thinking, like, I could be doing something better right now. Hold on, hold on. Like, he just never looks engaged. Oh, Buffalo caught a timeout before the snap, so it's going back to 16 seconds. But right. I'm going to refresh. Uh, the uh, – on the tickets and the fans being upset, and this is the argument that I was making before the season ended last year. Los Angeles Lakers versus Phoenix Suns tickets for the best available currently have a maximum price of $21,404 maximum. That's the court side, the, the crypto right. people money, the, the, the influencer money seats. Fans looking looking at tickets for the game will find the average price of a single ticket to be around $693. That was 10 hours ago from Ticketmaster. So you're charging people $693 because the Phoenix Suns with Bradley Bill, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant are coming to town to play AD and LeBron, and you're only getting 60% of that, that grouping on the court and you want to charge them $693. They should be able to get 40% of that money back. Facts. You know what I'm saying? So that's, yeah. like, that's, that's the only thing that's going to curb this low management is your, your marquee star that allows me to increase the price of the ticket. If that person doesn't pay, play, you are liable to pay the insurance or if you, you, know, you spend $3 on the insurance for your ticket, the, we'll call it the, low, the LMI, low management insurance, you pay the three to five bucks, whatever it is. So Ticketmaster, whomever can get their little cut, because that's all insurance is, is a scam anyway. But we, we'll get on that topic later. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. someone makes a claim, like, "Hey, I paid this inflated price because this star, Zion Williamson, Kawhi Leonard, Steph Curry, LeBron James, Julius Randle, if these guys were coming to town, and you increase the price." And I paid paid it, and these guys didn't play. You owe mm-hmm. me a percentage back, mm-hmm. and that comes from the team that didn't. Well, it got in play, not the NBA. The NBA is like, no, nah, hey Phoenix, you owe this much in low management fees. Well, you know, speaking of the NBA, how about my six man of the year pick, Emmanuel? Quickly, 
with 24 points against the Celtics last night. You know, Kristaps Porzingis with the good debut, 30 points. Then he had the, you know what, the NBA makes me sick. You know, like, I don't know if you saw the play where he grabbed the rebound and he's trying to clear space. Hartenstein's all up on him. Yeah. Yeah. And they were like trying to review it for a hostile act. And I'm like, yo, he's bearing down on me. What do you want me to do? The best part is when the trainer comes out and treats the potential blood or whatever on the lip of Hardenstein on the floor. Yeah. So, like, the trainer comes out with a glove. And it was dumb because they gave uh, they gave a tech. They gave Porzingis a tech. And then they called a foul on Hardenstein that led – to Porzingis taking two free throws because they were in the penalty. Yeah, and so they, he, the whole he, thing was just dumb. They, they called the foul. Oh, this is this okay. They threw a hell mary with no time. Yeah, I'm watching left. your TV right now. I'm watching your TV because yeah. I'm still and behind you. Chris Godwin, if he could have got his head around one second earlier, he probably could have caught it. Well, this is a hold here, <laughs> but they're never gonna call that. Yeah, they're not gonna call that on a hell mary. You Unless know, you grab the face Yeah. So, you know, um, but yeah, so the, the Celtics look good, but but the Celtics did a lot of going through motions last night. They were like up and down. Like they would go on like a 10-0 run here. You know, they would go on like a 13-4 there. Oh, so it's 2021-2022 again? Yeah. And then if you blinked, you know, like, the Knicks were back up by three or something like that. And you're like, Porzingis how does this look? looked like what people think Wimbyama is going to look like all the time. Right. Last night. Right. Uh, so it was good. Good. But yeah, get off my chest. NBA low management is excessive. They got to figure it out. And you got You got to start hurting people where the money is. Follow the money. Like that's what people care about. So mm -hmm. the fan experience, the fans still gonna get the experience. You're gonna see an NBA game, you're gonna get the popcorn, you're gonna get the beer, the hot dogs, you're gonna mm -hmm. even unless none of the stars play and they only play, you know, second and third string guys, like it's the last game of the season, you know, you like the playoffs, more than likely you're gonna get a top-notch level experience. I, I think a couple of NBA games I went to in Utah. I saw Steph Curry before he had the was it after the 50 point night in the I think it might have been after. Yeah. Because I think he had that 50-point night, 55 points, something like that. It was like 2009 when my son was born around that time. And I believe I, they came to Utah the following season. But he still didn't have that following that he has now. Mm -hmm. uh, the Jazz were always a good, solid team. So it was fun. It was good. I think we were in like row 13 or something like that behind the backboard. It's a great way to watch a basketball game. All but right, really, so I, the ambiance of the basketball game is good enough. But if you're going to charge me $700, I need everybody to play. All right, here you go. Pop quiz. I played in the NBA Finals last year, and I went 7 for 13 from 3 in the season opener last night. Who am I? NBA Finals. I am Max Struess. You, yes, you are. And you tied uh, – Donovan Mitchell for the most points on the team last night with 27. 
you know so wow like that's all i gotta say about that it's just wow you know um and even with him scoring 27 they only beat the nets by one you know cam thomas came out with 36 points so i made the joke in the group last night you know at the time he had 33 points and i know last season we used to talk about how he would score 44 points and then play five minutes the next game so now uh cam thomas up in brooklyn so so you know so now he'd be a healthy scratch yeah so he scored 36 points last night so you know is he going to play the next game (laughs) is he going to get minutes now even if you don't play any defense if you're my second or third if you're my third offensive scoring option and you play limited defense but you still can give me 25 to 27 points when you get hot I'll let it slide because I'll just put in a, a guy that I don't need to score mm-hmm. just to be his help side defense. Like, listen, man, just funnel everything to, to Thompson or, like, you know, in, insert whatever NBA name you want. Just like, I need you out there because you're a bucket. Because, you know, I know defense wins championships, but you're not going to have a lot of games 77 to 76. You might need to get 98 to 112 points, you know, 98 to 105 points on a nightly right. basis. And know you can hit that 100 points. Like, you have to know there's a few guys on my team that can get me 20. I think some teams are going to suffer with that. Some teams are going to, gonna you know, thrive with it. Like the Spurs. I watched them last night, Spurs versus Mavericks. Um, I think they're going to be good because I think they're going to be in a situation where getting 16 and 19 points from a, a collective of guys every night won't hurt the guy's feelings who got 19 the night before. Devin Vassell. You know, got he just you. got I th- eight. I think he went like eight. He was like eight for 19 when I looked at one point and he had about 19 points. I was like, that's that's what you want. You want a point, you want a point per shot. Yeah, that's they, they had a chance to win that game too. You know, uh obviously the experience took over at the end. You know, Luca went ham with his 33 point triple double. You know, that's just what he does. You know, um, hopefully for his sake, you know, he can get into the MVP conversation because he puts up the numbers, but the team doesn't always come with him. So Luka? we'll see how that goes. Yeah. So we'll see how I that think goes. he's always been in it. But I think the last few years, everybody else, if you if you think about like five years ago, the MVP conversation was Harden, KD, Steph, LeBron. And it was that was kind of it. And then when these other guys catapulted themselves to the top, Jokic, huge numbers. Giannis, huge numbers. Embiid, huge numbers. It just, Luka was also in that group. So, like, these four guys jumped the other, the original five group from the, you know, mid-2010s until, like, 2017-18. That group of four just made a jump at the same time. So, his, just, his numbers were comparable to all the other, the other three, except mm-hmm. that they Denver had more would tend to have more wins because mm-hmm. Jokic was just for some reason Denver just was built a little better. They had more wins, and B was a little flashier and bigger, and he was making like six foot three guard moves, but at seven foot two kind of thing. Giannis was like a freak, so what he was doing was just unbelievable, and you Luca was just super consistent. But it wasn't a lot of above the rim stuff, so it just so, it just it, it just it just when they ranked it based off of points, the, the stats, 
And then the eye test, he just was fourth in the eye test. Let me ask you a random question. So I know you try to be, you know, you're Mr. Logical. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Do you have a player that you have a love-hate relationship with? Anthony Davis. Okay. That makes sense. That, that's, you're that's, a LeBron, that's the guy. If you're a LeBron fan, that makes sense. It's, it's, par, it's partially. <laughs> I don't want to say it's partially that. I think, like I said, we because, you know, everyone's going to talk about the Lakers, so we don't really need to get, like, super, like, deep, deep into it. But what it is for me is, like, how I just mentioned that that pocket of four players, the Giannis, like Giannis, Embiid, Jokic, Luka, how they all – at the same, seemed like the same time, took their game to the next level after a couple of years of kind of seeing, okay, this is how they defend me. This is how I get calls. This is my best. He was supposed to move. be in that group. He was supposed to be in that group. And I think he was supposed to be the leader of that group because we had the New Orleans years where he and had he, a head start. And you had and the college. The, you had the college. You had the college. But in college, he was on a, he was on a blue chip team. It was like, Everybody on the team was a five star. I think they all went, all of them went number one overall, in my opinion. It seemed like, because <laughs> uh, even the guys that should have gone in the first first round, like it slipped up to the second. You know, the, the Harrison twins, those guys, stuff like that. Kennedy Towns was on that team. So what happened with AD was that he was supposed to be essentially the leader of the new school of players, mm-hmm. and all these other guys passed him. Okay, that's fine. It happens. But then for three years, all the chatter has been, all these other guys are passing AD. When is AD going to step up, be the man? When is AD going to do this? And it's like, okay, we're hearing it. I know you're hearing it. But last night he goes six for 17. Happens. But you only got one rebound in the first half, zero points in the second half. But then you'll come out here, hit the three, and he's doing the arm thing. I'm like, dog, where was that the other day when you went six for 17? So it was like Giannis, is, Giannis might give you 25 points, and it might be like eight for 22 shooting. It might be a bad night. But then he's also going to come back another night and give you 32 points, and it'll be like 12 for 17. You know, so like – And he's going to have 13 rebounds. 13 rebounds. Know, three blocks. Three blocks four or five assists, he's going to, and then he's going to have the hustle plays. He's going to have the plays that make the defense have to adjust to him. AD, you literally can just put your best defender that's over six foot nine on him and just watch him like not take over the game. And that's my love or hate relationship with him. Cause I'm, I can't be like, Oh, you're not talented. Cause I'm like, it's for, I can't say this one's not talented. I'm just like, well, why aren't you? Why? Why? Why didn't your? Why didn't your statistical jump go along with the rest of these guys when you guys are in the same like my, pocket? My my love hate player is Rayford Young, better known as Trey. You know because Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one because like he's so entertaining. You know, like Kyrie's my favorite player, and Trey Young is like. He's not my second favorite player, but he's like the player that I like to watch next to Kyrie, you know. And so every Donovan time, Mitchell, I like watching Donovan. Yeah, same thing, same thing. Talking about it's watching Donovan Mitchell, just like I like watching this dude. Yeah, it just frustrates me. You and know, Dame, frustrates Dame is another one too. It's, it's a lot of these guys, and you're just you got know, and so so you know. Of course, 
I was like, how do how if somebody asked me, tell me one reason that you know that the NBA is back. And I'm like, yo, Trey Young went four for 19, but went 14 for 15 from the free throw line. The NBA is back. That's Trey Young. And they lost to the Hornets. And they lost to the Hornets. So the NBA is back. That's so, I mean, not to take a shot at the Falcons, but that's so Atlanta. You know what I mean? Wow. And so, but but what pissed me off last night. Weren't even talking about the Falcons, but you know, cool, what pissed, cool, what, cool. <laughs> what pissed me off last night was I was looking so forward to these Thompson twins. And they went a combined four for 17 last night. You know, wow. I, I want I wanted to I wanted to knock Wimby for his game because like I said I was watching with the sound off because I was watching uh, I was watching Top Boy on Netflix. So I was watching the game with the sound off on the iPad right next to me. And I was seeing that he was he was like two for four with six points for a long time. And I looked and he, he just kept getting in foul trouble. So I think it's just a matter of learning how to play in the NBA, what the wrestlers you get away with, mm-hmm. what what your defender is gonna get away with. And what works, because it, it was a lot of times where, I don't know if it's the Spurs, because they are just such a team that's probably coached on working the system. <coughs> but it was a few times where I thought they probably should have got the pass into him. Like he ran a floor, maybe an outlet pass, and they just kind of kept it simple, brought the ball up, and they played hard. But I saw a, a graphic today, I guess, he had the same line as Tim Duncan had in his first game. Yeah. He's got to stay out of foul. He has to stay out of foul trouble. If he stays out of foul trouble, he no one made a shot over him. So I don't even think he has to try to block shots. I think he can kind of even maybe pull it back and just extend. Instead of jumping as high as he can, just extend, keeping his feet low, and that way he can just run out. On every every jumper that he can that he comes closes out to contest he could probably not fully extend, just mm-hmm. kind of run out, awesome. let the jumper go, and then run run out and get – I think he'll get like eight points a game off of that because people see him coming and they're just shooting the ball like like they're Kevin Durant, like trying to shoot it way over his arms. He's like, yeah, just, just close out hard. People are going to shoot it crazy and then just get a quick run out. Kevin Durant with 18 and six right now, you know, 55 to 50 Suns early third quarter. But, you know, speaking of foul trouble, you know, DeAndre Ayton had two fouls before he even took his warmups off. Yo, DeAndre Ayton, I would say I have a love-hate relationship with him too, but I want to, I want to see him. I want to see him succeed because I'm sick of the narrative that the big man has no place in today's NBA because the big man defends. He defends the rim, and he rebounds. Yeah. Those are all the things that you need to win. Like, yes, you need a score. Like, we talked about the points then, but, like, we just talked about Victor. Just his his length. Like, look at Eric Gordon guarding Torian Prince, and he put up a terrible little turnaround. Yeah, like, why he didn't go to the basket? Because he was you being know? defended. And, he was being defended. And, like, everyone's standing around watching him. Nobody was down there to grab the rebound. You know, this is the Lakers, y'all. You know, but uh, you know, I was looking around. You know, I was because I was excited to watch Scoot Henderson, and you know, then I realized as I was watching like the first quarter of that game, I was like, "Yo, 
I don't think Chauncey ran a training camp. I think they just showed up to LA and was like, yo, let's play ball. And they just went out there and started doing stuff. They had no rhyme or reason to anything that they were doing. You know how, like, we talk about the NFL coaching tree and guys getting hired based off of their relationships. Yeah, Zach Taylor. I think the NBA coaching hires, a lot of it is he was a good point guard, championship point guard. He's like the coach on the floor, and these guys get hired. Jason Mm -hmm. Kidd, Tyron Lue, Mark Jackson. Uh, What's the board name with the raspy voice? Doc Rivers. Uh, Who else is a point guard? Yeah, I guess Um, that's why I'm not on ESPN anymore. Nate McMillan was a point guard. Magic Johnson was a point guard. Keep it going. Steve Nash was a point guard. Let's go. Keep going. These are just names of people that got fired. Derek Fisher got fired a lot. Yeah. Uh, Jason Kidd got fired. Uh, Steve Nash got fired. Step, mm-hmm. Stan Van Gundy, he seemed like he probably was a point guard in college. He said Jock Vaughn got fired, but Jock I mean, Vaughn he's, got fired. He's coaching the Nets right now, so you know, but he got fired at one point. Yeah. So I think just this idea that oh, if a guy's a point guard, he's a good, good coach. Doesn't always work out. Chauncey might not have a good philosophy. He might not be able to really connect with the players to give him to follow through because the some of their NBA playoffs games were like 73 to 69. Like you're not getting that. Chauncey strikes now. me as that guy where like Scoot comes over and he's like, What's going on out there, man? And Scoot's like, well, they're trapping me, so whenever I try to pass to my right, there's always a second body. And then Chauncey would say something like, well, you know, I dealt with that in Detroit. and You just got to beat the, you gotta beat the yeah, trap. Yeah, like you just got to beat it. Like, you know what I mean? And that's like the end of the conversation. Chauncey you know I mean? seemed like he wears a food <laughs> outfit to the, to the cookout. They're like, hey, we're going to have a player's cookout coach to show up, and he shows up in the food. A matter of fact, yeah. I saw Chauncey Billups in the club after he tore his ACL. I saw him in Utah in the off like the off season. And yeah, I remember I looking, I was like, maybe he's gonna sign up with the Jazz. I think he was still rehabbing. But he's from see, Colorado, so I think he's like he likes that mid that mountain yeah, I life. Can see, I can see Chauncey being like, yo, don't make me have to do it to these meatballs. Yeah, you but he was wearing saying? cargo pants and a polo shirt and a folded Yankee <laughs> hat. So like he does seem like a dude that doesn't really get yo, with the times. And Russell Westbrook, is- Russell Westbrook looked good last night. You know, because Russ is up, a great basketball player. You know, he I love came Russ. Up and he was hitting threes. You know, he was he was doing his thing. You know, as the Suns hit a three, sixty-three to fifty-nine, seven forty left in the third quarter. You know, Grayson Allen. You know, keep your feet to yourself, Grayson. You know, but um, yeah, yeah. So you know, I, the haircut. So I caught a few games last night. You know, um, I wasn't. I can't say that I was intently watching, but, you know, but I had some some stuff on the background that I was watching going on because, you know, I was uh, I was watching all this and I was I was sitting around trying to do my notes for tonight so we could look at the picks and everything. But as I was watching these games, there were just things like Kate Cunningham stood out to me. He ended up with 30 points and nine rebounds. You know, he looks like what they said he was but i just don't know like detroit just like you said the other night like they just have so much going on you know like i think they have talent but they almost have too much talent 
you know, where like, what do you do with I, this person? I Can they play? What they together? have, I think their talent pool generates expect. I think the talent pool generates group expectations without understanding if the the talent of the group can work together to meet the expectations. Like people right. just say, oh, you got a six eight this guy, you got a six nine this guy, you got a a point guard with the six foot five wingspan. You should be able to do this. But then you look at it like, okay, well, all these guys are six four. Right. And I was where I was do I put for, them? Where do I put them on the floor at the same time? You know, you know, they played they played Miami last night and I was looking for the other Nicola, you know, but he didn't even play. He's not going to play just because he got the same kind of name. I know he, like Eric Spolster did it in the, uh, oh, that's a goal, Tim LeBron. He did it in the finals in one of the games. He put in, he put him in, excuse me, it dropped something. He put him in, in the game. I don't know if they were getting blown out or if it was definitely a loss, but I remember Spo put him in like, well, might as well put it put the guy in who has essentially the same name as the other star that's killing us. So we did that. I just, I just we, we could talk about like the, like the, the, the NBA team and that whole, you know, it, we'll talk a little baseball here at, you know, some point, and then we'll talk about football picks and NCAA and how you can go worse for first. The NBA doesn't have that because I think the whole philosophy of the NBA right now, as far as team building is get guy over trade to get other guy hope this guy will come join these two guys and then we can get some other guys and make it work well speaking of which speaking of guys let's talk about a guy why philly playing with us just trade this man like they they're not letting them onto the, the plane yeah, they're not letting them onto the plane. Now they're getting investigated by the NBA because the NBA wants to know why he hasn't been at practice, why he's not playing tonight. Who pays Adam Silver? You know. Huh? How does Adam Silver get his check? He gets paid through the commissioners, right? I mean, through the owners. Okay, so the owners pay the players. The owners negotiate the they, – they have a person – that they send and negotiate the deals and ratify the deals so that they get paid. They pay the commissioner. So in turn, right. the NBA pays the referees. You think they give a damn if you're investigating me? You think Mark Cuban cares if they're investigating him, yelling at the ref? He's like, cool, I'll get, his I'll get his $250,000 to the league, and then I'll give $250,000 to charity. And then this offseason, I'm going to negotiate this deal so that I get another billion dollars in net worth for my team. Like, I don't care. Like, they, the NBA has zero leverage. And I think what the owners kind of did, they went to that meeting with all the world leaders where they had the owl and they wear the little suits and all that stuff, the Bilderberg meetings and all that in the woods. And they said, yo, why are we giving these dudes that we pay all the leverage. They're like, let's just stop. If I have you on the contract, my lawyers wrote and ratified the contract. I don't have to jump through hoops for you, Kevin Durant. Go in there, listen to Steve Nash, because if I want to, I can get rid of you, him, 
pay you off and I still have this team that's worth $6 billion on top of the other couple of billion dollars I already had in the bank before I purchased this team. So go down there, type your little KD-15s, get your little ankles taped, and go play basketball. Like, get out of here. James Harden, yeah, you signed your little 36 and a half, not a little, but you signed your $36.5 million extension. Cool, we appreciate that. And you try to use that as leverage. It's not leverage. I have you under contract. Nobody else wants you. No one else is going to give you $35 million. No one's going to give you. I don't think at this point, I don't think anybody gave him $13.5 million. Your leverage was when you weren't under contract. Your, your, no, your leverage is when you're really, really good. That's the thing. Well, yeah, there's I, that too. I mean, guys, he did score 45 in the playoff game recently, you know. Sweet. And, and Christoph Rosinga scored 30 plus points last night. Now, give me out of 82 games, how many times do you think Christoph's going to score over 30 points this season? Over under maybe, seven? Maybe seven and a half. I'll go over. I'd say about nine. Okay. So we'll book it now. CP, you got, I'll give you seven and a half. You taking it over. Yeah. We'll put, we'll put, we'll put 30 pushups on it since it's a 30 point margin. All right. Um, so that's the, that, I think that's the thing. It sucks that they're, that the business, the way is coming out, but he doesn't control the narrative because he doesn't have the leverage. And then he went, when he, when he came on and said, Daryl Morey's a liar. And I'll never work for him again. That diminished his value to be traded. And it also made him look like a sour teammate. Mm -hmm. So as another owner, I'm like, I'm not dealing with your diminishing capabilities and your overwhelming just to get 17.5 points out of your your mouth. Yeah. When I can get that from some undrafted free agent out of Akron. You know, mm-hmm. like I'll I'll get 13 points out of him and get another six or seven out of another guy, and I have to deal with the is James gonna be here if we have a road trip to Houston? Is he gonna make it to the game on time? Is he gonna be in shape? So yeah, he just he just lost his leverage. He should have like these guys have to you, you have to learn from the history or you're gonna repeat it. These guys are repeating history. Kyrie was probably a prime example of like, all right, cool, I'll sign, I'll play nice, I'll play my 35 to 40 games, get me out of here. Everyone said I'm a nice guy is evident. You guys are not operating properly. They, you know, you obviously he had some leverage by saying Kevin Durant wanted out. So that's a problem. You fired the coach, you brought another coach. So his argument is that there's like discombobulation in the organization. I want out. And I've been a good teammate. So I want a good, I want I've been a good teammate. I don't like it here. I don't like the direction. You don't like the direction because you made these moves. So get me about here. Yep. So, you know, we'll see, you know, but I was trying to figure out, like, is there another team potentially that would be interested besides the Clippers? And I just can't find it. I can't find it for 35 million. Yeah, I just can't find it. Like, even for not 35 million, I just can't find it. Because, I mean, like I said, like I said this um, earlier this year, you know, on Sports Reports is ordered, I said something along the lines of, James Harden is what everybody tries to paint Kyrie as. You know what I mean? So I think right. people are just tired of him altogether, especially when, like you said, he's not producing the way that he used to. So, like, it's one thing to be a simple, simple, simple prop, you know, prop. The juice isn't worth the squeeze. Right, right. 
And that's right. and that's that's something you as a an individual you have to lock in. Like, am I like introspective look in the mirror? Like, did I have to go to China and say that my general manager was a liar? Or could I have gone to him in his office? But like, yo, I can't well, rock with you. Get me well, out of here. Well, the other part of that is did Daryl did Daryl did Daryl Morey actually lie? Or was that just relevant though? I mean, but even if, like, even if, like, but did he lie? Well, there was no market, you know, for at that price point. Maybe so, he maybe Daryl at some point told him that we're gonna extend you. Or we're gonna look to extend you. I don't. I don't know how he communicates. I don't know what the relationship with him and James. But when he went out, when James went out publicly, it was. It's very similar to every other major crazy trade we've seen in the league. When Carmelo said, "I want to go to New York," when AD said, "I want to go to LA," they basically handcuffed his team for a very short period of time, and obviously things mm-hmm. work out. But these other teams that just saw like this doesn't work out if you can get a free agent i.e kevin durant going to golden state lebron chris bosh going down to miami join Dwayne wade Dwayne wade re-signing because you can put it all together or you can make a trade and get a player in pogasol in the la there's there's been moves that have been made but those moves are like realistically champion those champ those moves that are that seem drastic or not orthodox are years apart. Mm-hmm. The Boston three party that was 07. The Paul Gasol going to the Lakers was around that same time. Yeah, it was like 08. They, yeah. It was like 08. a year after. Yeah. But that's because they played because they played in the finals. So like mm-hmm. that that trade happened around the same time. So those trades happened essentially in the same time frame. Then you had LeBron and D-Wade and Chris Bosh teaming up in Miami a few years later. Then a few years after that, LeBron goes back to Miami. KD after that goes to because even a Houston, the, the OKC James Harden and Houston move was good, but it didn't have championship implications. KD goes to Golden State. That had crazy impact. Obviously, they went three NBA finals in a row. And they got beat by Kawhi and the Raptors because that trade happened. But for the most part, a lot of these moves don't work. Mm-hmm. That's five. That's five of those major moves in the last 15 years that led directly to championships. A lot of it, just a lot of money changing hands. Okay, And then AD going and then getting the, the championship in 2020. So right. six moves in 15 years of that magnitude that actually paid off. That actually paid off. The Brooklyn moves didn't pay off. Ben Simmons going to Brooklyn didn't pay off. James Harden going to Philly didn't pay off. Yeah, it didn't. Remember, Brooklyn tried to get uh, Pierce and KG. You know, that didn't work either. That didn't work. You know, so it's just a lot of it is, I think it's overcomplicated because they were allowing the players to use their ego. Now I think the owners are like, listen, we pay everybody. This is I'm, this is here for me because of me. This is called Crypto Arena because of me. I'm or, not. Or, or what are they me. now? The governors, you know, like <laughs> the governors, the governors. Yeah. Yeah. So. So. So yeah, you know, we we up here here, you know, seventy three sixty six Suns with three twenty five left in the third quarter. So it's that time, you know, we got to do it. 
who is on upset alert? You know, like, hey, remember last week I gave you Minnesota. You know, I told you watch out Clemson. You know, like I was in there, you know, I was telling y'all this thing and y'all ain't want to listen to me, but, you know, it is what it is. So here we are this week. I only got one upset, one actual upset that I'm picking, and I'm taking Kentucky over Tennessee. You know, even though Tennessee has won eight out of the last ten against Kentucky, you know, but I'm going with Kentucky at home down in the Commonwealth, you know. But upset alert, upset alert. All right. So y'all know when I do upset alert, I look at all angles. So this ain't just top ten teams I'm talking about. I'm talking about everybody. So, so Maryland, you were on upset alert at Northwestern. You know, you just you're coming off the bye. I like that, but the last time I saw you, you lost to Illinois. I ain't trying to hear it. Virginia, Virginia, fresh off their win against North Carolina, goes down to Coral Gables to play Miami. And, you know, Miami and Virginia, the last four games, it's a 2-2 split. Keep your eye out on Virginia. I I know Tyler Van Dyke is coming back from Miami, so they should win, but you just never know. Um, At the expense of my shit falling apart, because (laughs) I had Oregon State as my surprise, one of my surprise teams, and they were going to make the Pac-12 championship game in my pronostication. But now they got to go out to Tucson and play against Noah Fatita and the Wildcats, who we saw take USC to the wire in overtime. You know, we saw them give Washington everything that they want. Sometimes these teams play these teams close like this and they get one of them, you know. And so the good news is Jaden Delora isn't back, you know, if you're an Arizona fan, because I would pick Oregon State to crush Arizona if he was still the quarterback because he would just give the ball away. You know, uh, Ohio State on the road at Wisconsin. Do I truly think Wisconsin can win this game? At the beginning of the season, I did. Right now, not that that I necessarily believe that they'll win, but you got to look at the schedule. They're coming off of that Penn State game, the high emotions, you know, and, you know, they couldn't score. They couldn't move the ball against Penn State. And I think they might not move the ball against Wisconsin either. Yeah, but they have the number one overall pick on their team, and they're going to throw the ball to him a lot. Yeah, they, they are going to throw the ball to him, but Wisconsin's got a corner, corner for that. The problem is is that Ibuka's going to go off if he plays, and Julian Fleming will go off. You know what I mean? That's the problem. You know, um, Oklahoma taking their show down to Lawrence to play the Jayhawks. You know, uh, we saw Oklahoma struggle, dumb two-point conversion play by UCF last week that helped Oklahoma get out of there. You yeah, know. man, just keep it simple. On those two-point conversion plays, you got to get you got to get six to nine feet depending if they put it a two or three yards. Yeah, stop sure with exactly. all these tosses and reverses and flipping it out to the sideline. Give me one fake on a jet sweep and then get back to a conventional play call. So if you're going to put a guy in motion, give me the fake as your play action. But after that, I need that dude that I faked it to to hit the flat. This guy to come across. This tight end to run out. This guy to run a slant behind that. I need everything else because it doesn't. The whole thing doesn't have to be tricky. That's the thing with like a lot of these plays. All I need is a linebackers or someone to bite on the initial thing that I'm trying to get your eye on. I don't need you looking here, looking here, getting spun around. I don't need that much time. 
All I need you to do is this. Mm-hmm. So I can stick a guy behind you this way. So by the time you turn back around, you watching the ball pass you. That's it. That's because it's, it's only so much. It's only so much you can do defensively unless you know exactly. You know, you still in the signs or something, and you know exactly what that fake means. And you do this, like how Ed Reed did the Peyton Manning. Like he knew Peyton Manning expected me to get to this spot, straight to it. So I'm gonna turn over my left shoulder. And just spin around and sprint to that spot. Like I seen this play 50 times on film, but most college players don't see that. So it's like, yeah, give them a little fake, make them look this way, run the slant behind them. Easy, easy play. I like the upset alerts. I like what's, yeah, well, I got one more. I got one more. Because of course, after our conversation the other night, I just wouldn't be too five if I didn't put Georgia on upset alert. You know, the cocktail party. Against the Gators, the only reason, the only reason they play in Jacksonville every year. The only reason, the only reason that I have this is an upset alert. This is not one of those moments. Like last week, remember I went off on Dabo, and I put them on upset alert against Miami, and I said it's not because of what I just said about Dabo. You know what I mean? It's just the state of Clemson. You know, obviously Miami won. What I'm saying about Georgia here is this is the first game without Brock Bowers, and I just need to see what they look like. That's all it is. I'm not saying that Florida's going to win. I'm not saying that Georgia should really be scared. I just don't know because when they don't have it, when it's not working, Brock Bowers is their go-to. So if it's not working. I like Georgia should have their power run game should be their go-to. It should be. They litter their offensive line with four- and five-star guys from down south or the best five-star guy from Michigan that wants to go to Georgia that plays offensive line. But don't, they don't always have that player, but it just for some reason, people forget, fall in love with the pass. Don't forget who Florida got at running back. You know, they got, you know, little, little ATN. ATN. Yeah, so, you know, um, and Graham Mertz has been playing well lately. Now, of course, LSU and Bama are off this week because they got the big game down in Tuscaloosa next week. But one upset alert that I didn't pick that people might be picking is I'm not picking BYU over Texas. You know, I know Quinn Ewers is out, but I just feel like there's going to be a whole lot of Kennedy Brooks running down BYU's throat. You know, will we see our But listen, that's, but that's, that's, that is one of the things that we talk about this a lot. I know I have an affinity for the state of Utah is one of my favorite places to go to. But the defensive front and the front seven for these two top Utah state schools being BYU and Utah, they are littered with grown men. They are. BYU more likely has, without, without doing the research right now, if BYU, if they run 11 guys out there in that front seven between their backup linebackers and defensive line, I'm going to give them about four to six 21, 22-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Really? Because they, they, you know, if you're not familiar with the Mormon religion, at like age 19, they do a two-year mission. Um, So you factor in that many guys, two years. Then we talked about the Pacific Islander, that, that size-speed combination. And Utah is a very blue collar state. A lot, they're very Midwestern, big white boys, 
So they got big <laughs> white boys on the front line who are adults, 20, 21 years old. And then you have big Pacific Islanders, 20, 21 years old. So that's why it's not always an upset. They don't always have the skill positions. It's hard. To, it's like it's hard to recruit non-Mormon kids to the school because there is their code of conduct is very strict, and it's it's yeah, hard remember, to get. Remember Brandon Davis. Remember it's, Brandon Davis getting suspended for March Madness because he had sex. They were the number three team in the country that had Jimmy Fredette. They were going to make a run in the national championship, but to them. Their code of conduct matter more, which I can respect. But because of that, it's hard to recruit. You can get some junior college kids who want to get the D1 time. Tyler Algier plays for the Falcons. He went to BYU, played running back and linebacker. Fred Warner. Fred Warner. So a lot, lot Polynesian, you know, so it's a lot of Mormon influence in Pacific Islander to BYU. So them matching with, without Quinn, without Quinn, I think BYU matches up very well with Texas because they can end the drive on second down because of their front. They can they first and ten, you get two yards, and then you get a sack on second down. That was third and fifteen. You essentially end the drive with that because you don't want to go back the next play when your guard just got beat by, you know, some guy named Ugalele or Weiwei or something <laughs> like that, like. One of these guys that come through with the, with the hair, they just they just bust through the line, so it's it's very tough. So I think I think Texas should be on upset alert, especially with the backup quarterback, coupled with the fact that they're gonna start. What's the, what's the the black quarterback's name? Malik Murphy. Murphy, the quarterback. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For Texas, and, and then we might see Arch Manning. Like, and then you might see up. Arch Manning. Yeah, we so haven't. Now you got a guy. You got a guy that gets sacked. It's eight minutes left in the second quarter, and the score is 10-3, 7-3, or 7-7, and Texas is not moving the ball. And you got Arch Manning on the sideline. Does he force a throw? Does he hold on to the ball too long? Get stripped I don't know. Is he, is he auditioning for his next school? Is he right? Because is. You're not going to be Arch Manning out if Quinn Ewers isn't there next year. Just Texas is not going to just – Texas is not going to have a Manning on the bench two years in a row. Yeah. Sarkeesian is not having a pro-style quarterback with two pro-style uncles and a pro-style grandfather sitting on the bench two years in a row to develop a guy that will probably end up transferring. I could see him in Colorado. All right, well, you know, uh, speaking of Colorado, hey, YouTube guy, looks like Dante Moore is not starting this week. You know, so holla at, you know, saying it looks like, uh, you know, Neighbors is going to get the start, you know, so we'll see what happens. But UCLA is favored by 17 over Colorado. But I know what Mr. Logical wants to talk about. He wants to talk about Sione Vaki. He wants to talk about the Utes with their. I want to talk about why he's not in the Heisman conversation. He I want to talk, talk about, about that. He getting in the Heisman conversation because he got a late season. start. Because he got a late start. That's why. Don't but, worry. But when he, he gets two hundred all-purpose yards, you gonna get one hundred thirty all-purpose yards this week. He wants ten to talk tackles about, and a forced fumble. And he wants to talk about that eighteen-game home winning streak. Twenty-nine out of thirty. Pop quiz. Yeah. 
Pop it's quiz. Tough. Pop quiz. Utah lost their last home game in 2020. Who did they lose to? Probably Oregon. It was USC, you know. But I got Oregon snapping the streak this week. You know, um, Utah. Something about the the that is something about the way the stadium just intimidates other teams. I've been there for a few games. It's so much red. It's only forty five thousand people. Like yeah, we talked about the must. The must, the mighty yeah. Utah student union or student section. Actually, yeah. And they do the third down jump. Uh the fans are relentless. Utah, full of wholesome people. I love it. I just went there a few weeks ago. I went there in February. I'm probably gonna go back in December. One yeah. like one of my favorite places to go year round. Like I love going there. I love my people there. But that that forty five thousand, the stadium is like a horseshoe. So it's like completely. It's like it's 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 packed in. It's, it's packed in on the side of the mountain. Great view, but it's just like this sea of red. Right. It's just red, and then like every everyone just like just covered in red. It's at the the like I said, it's on the side of the mountain. The elevation does catch you off guard if you're an elite. Like I was never, I'm never elite athlete, so. The elevation, you do feel it a little bit when you're working out there. When I first got there, I was playing basketball. So I don't know how much that impacts like an elite athlete, like a 19 or 22-year-old college player. But it they are at a disadvantage to the elite athletes on the other side. And Utah, like I said, they recruit JUCO well. They recruit California well. They recruit Miami well. They recruit Texas well. On top of the talent. People grow up wanting to play for Utah BYU. You just got to keep that talent in state. If you can keep that talent in state, you're going to be good. That's why you have guys like Vaki. That's why you have guys that just have. It's just like the, the they're relentless. Ask Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams has been running for his life the last three games he's played against Utah, and people want to hold it against him, like, "Oh, you can't, you can't take him to one overall. He can't win a big game." Some. Teams just have your number. And I think Utah is one of those teams. And I think Bo Nix is going to be in that same bit of a scramble because to take pressure off the quarterback, you want to run the ball downhill. Utah stops to run. And then when they get the well, ball back, the they run it. I think that's the problem. I think Utah has a great defense. That goes without saying. But I think Utah might be susceptible. susceptible. Susceptible, susceptible. <laughs> up the gut. I think that's the problem, you know, is that these teams try to hit the perimeter on Utah and they can't. But Utah's giving up some plays up the middle. So I think Oregon will take advantage of that. And I think that Bo Nix has seen it. You know, he's been in the SEC. So, you know, he's gone to Tuscaloosa. You know, he's gone to LSU. You know, he went to Washington a few weeks ago. So yeah, I don't but think, he didn't leave a lot of those places I don't successfully. Think, no, he didn't. On but, a regular basis. But at the same time, you wax on, wax off. You know what I'm saying? So Bo like, Nix might be you know, like one of those guys that just has – he's just going to have – his college time is going to – like I don't know. I'm not sure Bo Nix is going to be the reason that Oregon will beat Utah. I don't know if he can do it on his own because I think they can match – well, what he does, I think Utah's defense can match. It's gonna. So this, I think it's gonna be a knockout, dragout game. I don't. Well, I don't. You know. I think it's gonna. Well, this be is my those. problem. 
this is my 31 28 game 31 27 but i got utah winning this is my problem you know utah's offense has come on the last few weeks but they've also played cal and usc's defense so i don't know how much of that is real and how much of that is a facade you know so like i think it's more like a 24 to 17 type game i think that utah is going to struggle to score and the only thing that's going to keep them in the game is the fact that it's in Salt Lake City. Yeah, but that's the thing. That's that's huge considering the way that they play. They play where you expend a lot of energy on the offensive drives. They right. don't do a lot of – it's not a lot of deep threats where – like USC what's, – what's the, the freshman's name? Uh was this, I forgot. He, it was like Zakaria Zakaris, the kid, the the. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. He is a touchdown waiting to happen if you just get it to him in space. If you if you get him man to man and he just runs his route, you get a boom. You get a 65, 70 yard touchdown. Utah doesn't even look for those kind of plays. So what they're gonna do is run the ball with the backup quarterback. They're gonna run it with the safety. They're gonna run it with the starting running backs. And they're going to run it eight times on a drive. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have to swap out defensive linemen because they're going to have to get a breather. That's where Utah – they just have to um, – last like last week when the quarterback, when he made his move, he's like, you know what? I'm just going to take this myself. Granted, it was on a USC defense, but that confidence – to be able to like do that on the road in LA when it, we've had, you know, Utah's had an up and down offensive season. A lot of it is big run plays where they ran for like 300 yards against Cal. But to run the ball that much for 300 yards, I don't think that's not a defense lacking because you've got enough people there to stop the run. That is a will thing. That is like we are going to impose our will on you. A lot of the ways that Alabama would do it. With you know, we see some of these crazy stats. Guys played twelve hundred snaps, haven't given up a sack. Those kind of like three or four guys like that across your line. I'm gonna just run Najee Harris and Damian Pierce and Eddie Lacy and Mark Ingram and Derrick Henry down your throat behind these guys who don't give up sacks. It just mm-hmm. overwhelmed you to the point where AJ McCarron. I don't know his NFL career was was pedestrian. But at Alabama, look, I mean, look at look at Mac Jones. Mac Jones is struggling, granted, because he's he's in a system where, you know, he's with the team that doesn't have a lot of, you know, skill position players. But he looked like if it wasn't for Devontae Smith being on his team, catching all the touchdowns and winning the Heisman, Mac Jones would have been in the would have been the Heisman. Mm-hmm. But and NCAA seems to recognize the power and the athleticism and the importance of the wide receiver because wide receivers won Heisman, but yet no NFL wide receivers ever won MVP. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> even with these, well, even with these last two weeks against Cal and USC, Utah is still 101st in the nation in yards per play. So it's going to be a slow drag. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, um, Ohio State nine straight wins over Wisconsin, and even worse Make than that, even even worse than that, 15 wins straight wins over the Big Ten West. Like Ohio <laughs> State and Michigan is unfair. <laughs> the advantage that they have in the Big Ten. Well, especially if uh, they out here taping people. 
and even like to make it even worse. Like, I mean, like let's keep let's keep it realistic. If there's 35 star recruits, 30 and four, 34 and five star recruits in the Big Ten, if that's the number, between Michigan and Ohio State, they probably have 19 to 22 of them. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of them are spread out amongst the rest of the teams. And a lot of them probably just go to these schools out of you know, just state loyalty. Like, I'm a five-star tight end. I'm going to Purdue. I'm from Indiana. My dad went to Purdue. I'm going to Purdue. Like, you can't mm-hmm. sway me. But the rest of these five-stars that come to, they, they, they want to go to the best program. So that's always an advantage. And that's a huge advantage, especially in college football. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, we haven't course- seen many upsets this year. It just seems like things are kind of starting to, like the cream starting to rise to the top. Well, yeah, I mean, that's normally how it goes. We get our hopes up, you know, these teams, you know, like Florida State will have a uh, game like they had against BC. And then people will say they're overrated, but then they don't lose. Or, yeah. you know, people people will say, you know, like me, people will say Georgia out here struggling with Auburn. But then as the season goes on. Carson Beck gets a little more reps or whatever, like, you know, like, and they just win. They, they you know? find their favorite plays that work. Like, right. Hey, listen, Bowers is opening on this route. Yeah. Or this, this run play works. This is a seven, eight I yard still, run play. I still think time. somebody, I still think somebody gets Georgia. I just don't think it's this week. You know, um, they got this stretch after this week where they get Missouri, Ole Miss, and Tennessee back to back to back. So, you know, uh, but, the first two of those, Missouri and Ole Miss, are at home. They go to Knoxville. So, you know, I, so I guess Tennessee would be the most likely to knock off Georgia. But I think they lose one of those three games. But anyway, you know, so, yeah, as I was looking at this, you know, uh, I'm, you know, we got Notre Dame and Pitt this week. You know, Duke with the best defense in the ACC. I don't know if Riley Leonard's going to play or not, but even if he does. He's injured. I know they're playing Louisville this week. You Stop know, calling quarterback runs. Let this guy save him. He can't throw. He can't like like remember uh, Stephen A. Uh, Tim Tebow. Like he is not a good thrower of the football. Like that's Riley Leonard. You know, like yeah. he's got the strong arm, but yeah, Tebow he, was like forty eight percent. I remember those years. Yeah, entertaining, but he was forty eight point eight percent. Yeah, and then. Uh, so, of course, Tennessee, I picked uh, UK over Tennessee. You know, Tennessee's going to have to run the ball. Uh, Kentucky, Georgia is the only team that Kentucky's played this year that averaged four yards per carry. You know, and then on top of that, Georgia and Missouri are the only teams that got to 100 yards against Kentucky. So that's going to be the key. Can Tennessee establish the run? You know, Kansas, I picked them as an upset alert over Oklahoma. Problem is... They give up 252 rushing yards per game. The good news is Oklahoma can't run. So Well, you know, they can run if you're giving up 252. Well, they'll get 175 well, we, we out just, of that. Well, we're going to have to see. And then, you know, of course, like I said, Virginia and Miami. You know, uh, Virginia won the last time they played down in Miami. And then oh, last year. Bad. Hold on, hold on. I hate, I hate to cut you off. I just watched the worst fast break initiated by D'Angelo Russell. He not making it to the trade deadline. It was a four on two. He had the ball. Three guys ran to the paint. He dribbled all the way up to the dotted line, stepped out, and shot a, a off the dribble three with AD 
run the paint. Vincent was running to the basket. He could have thrown a bounce pass from the half court. He dripped. Yeah, he's not making it to the, the anybody want D'Angelo Russell because he's gonna be traded. That play <laughs> in the end of itself is gonna get him traded. It was so bad. Like it, it was so bad. If I could rewind his iPad, I would. It was so bad. Literally, <laughs> it was he could have bounced the ball to Vincent and they were ahead of it. And then he didn't. He dribbled out and then shot the three. Is he gonna do something stupid again? No, nah, LeBron's like, give me the ball. <laughs> There's Grayson Allen on him. And he backed Grayson Allen down, and then LeBron shot some crazy shooter, and then he got a foul on Grayson Allen. Yep. So I got a three-point game with 733 left. But uh, but like I was saying, um, you know, Virginia beat Miami the last time they played in Miami. And last year they went to overtime in a 14 to 12 thriller that Miami escaped with. I should have you should pay $14 for that ticket. I know, right? Um, you know, but uh yeah, so we got that going on. Notre Dame and Pitt. You know, that's usually a good rivalry. I don't know how good Pitt is this year, but they will give Notre Dame a fight. You know, so, you know, I think this week is going to be pretty tamed. You know, I think it's yeah. going to be a pretty tamed it's week. I think mundane week uh, leading up to the college football playoff ring coming out, you know. But the conversation about who's going to be number one pick, that's always another thing that's going to be huge. The college impact on the NFL and what teams should do. So that'll be a conversation because I think the games in and of itself are going to be very regular. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but that's, but you know what, but when we say that, you know, that's usually when it happens. That's usually when the meatballs get it done to them. I think the only thing that really stands up, I mean, does Wisconsin really beat Ohio State as a game competitive? Does Utah demolish Oregon? Because I think Utah beating Oregon wouldn't be crazy because they're at home. They have the advantage. But if they jump out to 21-3 at halftime, kind of Oregon can't move the ball. Bo Nix is turning the ball over kind of situation. Yeah. Yo, AD be falling like stock prices out here. I know. He, he out here, yeah. Still a three-point game. But yeah, then we got you know the 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 NFL, you know uh, we got uh, some games. You know we got Buffalo and Tampa in the books. You know Buffalo with the twenty four to eighteen win. They had a nine. And a, they were favored by nine and a half. Yeah, so I think Baker made some people happy in Vegas when they covered uh, nine and a nine and a half point favorites in the NFL is a weird betting line. Mm-hmm. It feels. As if they're trying to get the betting line that way to generate people watching the game. Because I don't, I didn't think Buffalo's performances over the last few weeks warranted them being nearly a ten point favorite over Tampa Bay. Even right. though I'm not a big Tampa Bay fan, and they only scored thirteen points against the Falcons last week. The uh, they scored ten, didn't they? I thought the Falcons scored thirteen. It was 16-13. Okay, I thought it was 13-10. Okay. Yeah. So, but Buffalo went 14-9 against the Giants, and it had a pass interference call that got called and a holding call that didn't. And I imagine if that holding call got called, they would have got the ball maybe between the, you know, goal line and the one. 
and you would have got you got an opportunity. So Buffalo has been playing so poorly. So a nine and a half points favorite. It just kind of blew my mind that that was an option. But Josh Allen, he threw a touchdown to Gabe. No, he threw a, a touchdown to Dalton Kincaid, rookie out of Utah. Go Utes. Got the ball back for him. And I think Kirk Herbstreet, it's not him. It's not, is it Kirk on Thursdays? Mm-hmm. Kirk on Thursday. He made, he mentioned that Josh Allen's only giving low high fives with his left hand. Like he wasn't lifting his right arm up. And then they got the ball back because Todd Bowles, for some reason, didn't want to kick the 58 yard field goal even though his kicker made a 57-yarder in the game, had a 50-yarder blocked. But he could have kicked, kicked a 58-yarder with about 19 seconds left. Yes, they would have – if they would have missed it, then Buffalo would have gotten the ball at the – about the 48. Yeah, you're you're risking potentially that – they could go down and try to get a field goal. But you also have to play the point like my kicker can make a 58-yard field goal because he just made 57. Mm-hmm. So these coaches, I talked about this, you know, you I understand coaches, you coach with caution, or you can coach with fear. But if your fear is making you make decisions that's like, like I'm a gambler. I like to gamble. So if I show up to the craps table, that's my game. That's my game of choice. I show up with $100. If I win and I'm up to 325 like over my 100s, I could put my 100 away and I'm up 325 I shouldn't be gambling the same way I was when I only had $100 on the table. I should be willing to bet 50 where I was betting 15 earlier because I'm already up. And I know, it, you know, I might get to the point where I'm back down 100, whatever case may be, but I can't be like, Shh. I'm like, yo, you're already up. <laughs> you're up. So, like, take advantage of this time where you're up. You, they called a great play on third down. It was something like third and 15, third, maybe 17, because Baker kept, kept taking sacks. So, they called a great play to the tight end, like a little slip pass to the tight end. He faked like he was going to block tight end. He got you about 12 yards, got you to fourth and three. They were trying to run the clock. I'm like, okay, so run the offense up, run the clock down, make them think you're going to go for it. What they did, they brought the punter out. Buffalo called a timeout. And then they brought the field goal unit out. And the long snapper didn't put his hands on the ball. How are you going to draw Buffalo offsides Literally, the the long snapper's hands were up by his shoulder pads, not <laughs> touching the ball. I'm like, why would they jump? He right. never touched the ball, and then he punted it. I was like, you're better off just kicking the field goal. You're three and three. You have a mediocre quarterback. You're probably going to get fired anyway. You might as well go out there and enjoy your Guns time. Guns blazing, yeah. Listen, dying. Come listen. Like in 300, when she said, "Come back with your shield or on it." He out there hiding behind cover and the mortar just land where he hiding at. That's what Todd Bowles is doing right now because you're probably going to lose games anyway because you don't have the cachet on your team 
You don't have the veteran leadership on your team. You don't have the things that's going to guarantee you win games. You might as well try to coach yourself in the wins. Mike Tomlin's kicking that field goal. Sean McVay's kicking that field goal. Stefanski's kicking that field goal. Andy Reid's kicking that field goal. Or a guy like Brandon Staley is like, you know what? I'm going to go for it on this fourth and three because if I don't get it, now you're getting the ball with 18, 16 seconds left and a half at the your own 41. So it's like, okay, you can make your move or I can go for this, maybe make the field go shorter or like at least run out. But like these guys are making the moves to where it's like at least you're going to have something to talk about in the post-game presser. What are you going to talk to Todd Bowles about? Your team's mediocre. How do you feel about that? <laughs> well, I coach like a mediocre coach, so this is what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I told you. He looked like he when the camera panned to him, he just had that look on his face like, I could be so many places right now other than here. He like, had other than being, face, like he had no idea that that was happening. You know what I'm like, other, he didn't I, know what the play call was. I should be anywhere but Orchard Park, New York. You know, <laughs> you know, but uh, but you know, but I mean, hey, you got to give Tampa credit though. You know, I mean, they started out two and zero. They've gone, you know, one and four since then. But they've been competitive. They've been playing hard. They haven't given up. So you know, I guess you got to at least give them the credit for that. You know, but we got the match of the number one and number two draft pick this weekend. You know, we got Carolina against Houston. You know, I wanted to pick Carolina to win. But then I thought about D'Amico Ryans against a rookie quarterback, a rookie quarterback with no offensive line, a rookie no quarterback that's my height, you know, Legit. like, <laughs> you know, uh, so I just couldn't do it. So I, I ended up picking Houston in that game, you know. Um, I think it'll be a good game, though. I think it'll be a good game, you know, but I just can't pick This Carolina. is the part that I, I'm excited to see. The pregame handshake with C.J. Stroud, and Bryce Young to really show how much bigger CJ Stroud is than Bryce Young. Because yeah. I have a, I saw a picture of CJ. No, who was it? A picture of Kyler Murray shaking hands with Spencer Rattler. Uh-huh. And Spencer Rattler's listed at six one. Kyler Murray next to him looked like six four next to him, and I think CJ Stroud's going to be in that same boat where. Carolina fans are going to be looking like, why didn't we take C.J. Stroud? Or why didn't we just stay where we were? Right. You know, Carolina sit up here like, why we didn't get Will Levis? You know what I mean? Like, uh, speaking it, of which. Real talk, it did not make sense for Carolina to make the move that they made. It did they not. made the move that they made because their owner made millions or billions by being aggressive or whatever. Dog, you should just sat where you were and let Frank Wright build your team and then suck and get Caleb Williams. Because now you're not going to draft Caleb Williams if you go 0-17. I have no idea who's going to start against the Falcons. You know, um, you know, Tannehill may play. If he doesn't play, there's been reports that we're going to get both Malik Willis and Will Levis, but Will Levis as the starter. You know, either way it goes, you know, I guess Atlanta's going to win just because – Tennessee, they only have a few days to install whatever they need to install for who's going to play. I'm taking Atlanta like 20 to 13, 20 to 10. Malik Willis does not play. He doesn't make situ. He doesn't make smart situational awareness football decisions. I've listened. I've listened to Mike Vrabel say 
in his preseason game last year when he pulled him, he was like, I want you to make, th- I want you to throw the ball like it's preseason. Like, think about where you are. Think th- this is the moment. It's preseason. I need you to throw the ball. If you throw an interception in preseason, this is what it is. They draft you the third round pick. Uh, Tannehill was going to be the starter anyway. Like, go out there, throw the ball, and make the mistake. But he kept running, so he pulled him out of the game. So in the Baltimore game, it was like, they always say, you can't take a sack here. Take a sack. You got to get out of bounds. Stayed in bounds and fought for another yard, and it ran off like 15 more seconds before you can get to the ball. Didn't clock it. Don't know when to call timeouts. It just, he operates as if he does not, he is not aware of what his position is supposed to do. Will Levis might be a turnover machine, but I'll take the big turnover machine over the guy who just doesn't make situational like decisions. Yeah, and when all else fails, just give the ball to Derrick Henry, right? Well, until you give him away to Baltimore or well, you know. Baltimore makes no good moves in season. <laughs> they're just they're just stubborn to a fault. The Rams, nah, because I think McVay's probably going to call it quits. So, like, why would you make a trade? Indy 90 has her guy. Buffalo, Buffalo. I've been telling, I've been saying Buffalo should got Derrick Henry since last They should have got him at the draft, you know. um, August 2022, they should have gotten him. Then they should have gotten him at the draft this year. Like, I don't know why they are acting as if they are good anywhere else so Derrick Henry you know hopefully they don't run him because they want to trade him and they keep him healthy and they give the ball to the other guy yeah Ty Spears yeah, yeah. so Let's you know, give it to these um, other guys yeah so we'll see you know I'm interested in that then I got uh I went back and forth but I got Dallas coming off the bye I got them taking down the Rams I think that um you know um I got some protection concerns, especially when you got the new running back in there. Um, is he going to be able to pick up the late uh, blitzer to protect Stafford? Um, I, think, but, I think I think Stafford's a smart enough quarterback to give him like real guidance. Like, yo, stand oh. in this B gap. This guy's going to come through here. We're going to slide protection this way. You guys. So here's a question. Here. Here's a question. Now, obviously, college players are way younger, and we say things like, "Hey, you know, this team." plays Miami next week and they're looking forward to that game. You know, so is it possible that Dallas could look for be looking forward to their road trip to Philly next week? No, because or does it work like that in the NFL versus I don't think it works like that in the NFL because you can go eleven and six and win your division. You can go ten and seven and, and win your division or you know be a wild card. I think you you there's the roof of era is a little bit more broad in, in regards to NFL. And you've especially a division opponent, you've seen them so many times. You know the players. You probably scouted the players. It's not the same, whereas Georgia's going to play, without, with the exception of a, a championship rematch, Michigan's going to play Ohio State once. Michigan State's not going to play Michigan again this year. So I think you just kind of take care of business because you're just better than the other team, especially in the NFL. You just you just take care of business, win, win, lose, or draw. But if you do lose, you still have so many different ways to to continue to be a successful team. You know, you mm-hmm. can, like the Giants when they won their two Super Bowls, that Elon Manning is essentially gonna 
ride all the way to the Hall of Fame, they were ten and six, and they were wild card teams, and they mm-hmm. won four road playoff games. So that's why I don't yeah. think I don't think teams look past other teams as much as they do in college basketball. Yeah, so I got Dallas. Um, I got Minnesota over Green Bay. You know, it's been Jordan Love has a thirty-eight percent pass completion when he throws passes long, like further than ten yards on the field. Thirty-eight percent. And Green Bay also hasn't hit twenty points in any of their last four games because their you know, quarterback they, can't throw the ball past ten yards for and a in, percentage. And in those three out of, in those, four out of ten passes, and in those uh, four games, they've scored six first half points and if you remember they got lucky against new orleans because you know Derek carr got hurt Jameis had to come in missed the field goal you know so like really uh like i think green bay they, they only won one game right they won the open or they won the new orleans game maybe i got I no, got they, no they, they, they won two i think they won the opener think they won the opener no no are they in the caleb are they in the caleb williams drake may but they could be they could be i mean i i like to i like to you know we've had this conversation plenty of times i like to give quarterbacks like if they don't hit it off game one it doesn't mean they're a bum but i'm just seeing nothing out of him like i'm not even seeing anything that's that's the thing that's the thing like i'm not even like oh hey something out of nothing right like like with I, uh, I can look at Desmond Ritter and say, okay, you could be a really really good game manager. Well, he I'm had the comeback back. against Green Bay. It was you twelve know? points. It wasn't like no, I know, I know, but, but I'm just saying. Points. I'm just saying. Like, and they only scored twenty five total points. Atlanta's record, they haven't scored over thirty points, and I think it's like nine times over the last three seasons they scored over thirty points. Over but no, but the, points. but the point being is that like that's a you can positive. see the throw, you yeah, can see like, the yeah, back shoulder yeah. throw, you can see the poise to to grind to come back. Maybe not the the intangibles and the and the Lamar quality of winning the Tua accuracy. Oh yeah, they do got two you know, wins. They they beat Chicago in the opener. That's right. Yeah. So then you have a guy like. Justin Herbert, like when he stepped in his first game with Tyrod Taylor, is basically damn near killed by the team doctor when he poked his lungs. I don't know how you messed it up as a doctor with no pressure, no fans. Right. Like there's right. no fans in the stands, there's no noise. You just poke a grown man in his lung. Uh, but he, he stepped right in. And even though Justin Herbert doesn't have like a great record, you can still see that under the right circumstances, I think this is a pop. Matt LaFleur is a good coach, a good offensive coach. Aaron Rodgers won two MVPs, and he had a, a pedestrian year with Aaron Rodgers one year because they were trying to figure it out, and he went back-to-back MVPs. Granted, Devontae Adams was there. So for Jordan Love to literally not even get you anywhere near that, yeah, it, 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 it could be time. If they are fourth, I think. Drake may get to you potentially because I mean At you got four. you got Caleb you know you got Marvin yeah. you know maybe Jarrett verse you know uh, maybe a lineman maybe somebody takes a lineman you know uh, but yeah like if Carolina's at three. They they're sitting the proverbial cat burst. See, shout out to Skip Bayless for that phrase. So if if we if we're thinking about it as we're making these picks. Uh, you're gonna give me care. I'm gonna give you Carolina at one, right? Mm-hmm. 
right now because I don't think anyone's going to be worse than them. Yep. Maybe Arizona at two. Arizona at two. Bears at three, maybe. Someone's going to be worse than the Bears. Either the Raiders because they just beat the Raiders. The Raiders, the Raiders are gonna defensively and Josh McDaniels, they're gonna squeeze six wins out of these seventeen games, and put themselves uh, at like eight for the maybe reason. maybe Houston. Well, no, Houston might win like five Houston's games. Gonna, Houston's gonna win a few. Who's giving up on the season already? I'm trying to think. I don't think anybody yet, because I mean, even if you're Minnesota, you know, you just beat San Francisco. You know, you go in here and if you beat. Uh, Green Bay, you're only like a game and a half out of first. So so it's going to be a couple of teams. So should, so Carolina, we think, is going to be 2 and 15 tops. Maybe Tampa. Maybe, maybe yeah. the, like, we, like you know, they've won. Tampa they already out has three wins, though. Like, they would literally have to just be but outside awful. of Carol, But outside of Carolina, like, who can Tampa beat? Like, who do you look at and go, yeah, Tampa will win that game? Like, will Tampa will But win I that think game? Tampa will try to throw Vic. I think Tampa will try to win games. And I think off of that effort alone, because, you know, you figure a bounce ball against Atlanta last week, maybe a, a you know, it's a three point victory. You know, on Atlanta's, you know, drive when they got the field goal, you know, a bad snap. Tampa scoops the ball, they go back there in field goal position. So it's not like, they were out of it. It wasn't like they lost 28-13. Right. So, you know, I think it's going to be a game like similar to this San Francisco-Minnesota game that was on Monday night. If Brock Purdy just waits a little bit, Jennings is open on that crossing route that he threw the interception on. Mm-hmm. And that was first and 10 inside the 30. And they're moving along. So it's just a matter. Sometimes that one play here or there could matter. But if you are Carolina and you end up with like the number one pick, then you go Caleb Williams. Cause you can't like I don't I don't think you can, because I don't know if you can move Bryce Young, because I don't know if people would No, you probably trade down if somebody gives you the ransom that you gave to the Bears. And you trade no lower than five though. Yeah. I want someone from five up to jump up. But it, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a tough year. But I think Green Bay is gonna be in that mix of like do we move up for one of these top quarterbacks? Mm-hmm. Drake then, Caleb Williams. I got the Saints over the Colts. You know, the Saints, I mean, the Colts put up 456 yards on the number one defense in Cleveland last week. You know, but the Saints are fourth in yards given up per game, seventh in points per game. So I think New Orleans may have found something. They blew the game against Jacksonville last week with the drop pass in the end zone, but. I think they found some momentum. But even that would have only tied it, though. No, like, I know, but but I feel like they found momentum. Like given how they started in that game, they may have found something, you know. And I just don't trust the Colts right now. I mean, you can believe that, but does that did Derek Carr spend? Is he spending this week kind of apologizing for his antics as the leader of the team? I don't know. Nick, Nick, right? First things first. I want to give him credit for this. What he said was kind of telling but he does kind of like stretch his 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 concepts and his contracts but i kind of got what he meant here he said that moreau dropping the end zone was 98 percent Derek carr's fault no 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 you said three percent Derek carr's fault two or three percent Derek carr fault because moreau's so open 
He's thinking if I don't catch his Derek Carr's gonna yell at me on national TV and embarrass me. And like I get that that's not really the case, but I can get the whole playing tight because the person supposed to be leading you isn't uh is 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 kind of like demonstrably over you. I'll give you a prime example. I saw this today, and I think it, it might turn your little situation around. Trey Turner for the Philadelphia Phillies was having a terrible year. They were booing him all the time. Terrible year, terrible year. And one of the big influencers of the Philly sports nation here <coughs> goes to his Twitter. has a lot of followers. And he was like, listen, y'all, let's stop booing him when he comes to the plate. Let's give him a standing ovation every single time he comes to the plate. So they gave him a standing ovation. He comes out. He hits a single. He plays better in the field. He hits a home run to the point where he purchased a billboard outside the stadium saying, thank you, Philly. Because sometimes you need a little support. I know it's not a thing that men talk about and people don't talk about men, but sometimes you need a little support. You got somebody barking you all the time. Yes, you should do your job. You should be prepared to do your job. But when they were down 28 to 3 in the Super Bowl, every, every patriot has done an interview since then said Tom never let them think that they were going to win that game. Yes, it's all good in hindsight because they actually won. But even if you looked at the sideline when Julio made that catch and the game was 28 to 20 when Julio made that catch, they didn't look dejected when he made the catch. They were like, damn, that's a great ass. That's a great catch. Like no one put their head down. Like, damn, the game's over now for sure. They just made the faces like, okay, this could be a thing. So I get it when you're talking about an individual player like Trey Turner up there by himself on the plate in front of the whole stadium. I understand that. But when we're talking about, you know, in this situation with Derek Carr, like you were, it was just you in the end zone by yourself. Regardless, tone, regardless, regardless of what was going to happen, you got to catch that ball. Felt like you imagine if you enter, imagine how you feel. Okay, I'm the number one pick. CJ Stroud is was was the number one pick of Houston. Do you think he feels like he's going to get cut in the preseason game if he throws an interception? No. I'm the undrafted safety. I give up a deep over route for a touchdown in the third preseason game. Does he go to the sideline feel like he's going to get cut? Yes. Okay, so it's simply as one, each one of those are bad plays, plays that occur in every game all the time. But one guy has a level of security because – no one's going to bark at him and threaten him for him to clean out his locker where the other guy is. So if you are the leader of the team and you're putting it to the, putting guys in a position where they don't feel like, damn, I can make a mistake or damn, there's no, there's no room for growth here. You play a little tight. It's like NBA games. When the team goes 22 for 46 from three. Cause everyone's just firing up threes. Steph gets two. Clay gets two. <clears throat> Hell, Draymond goes one for three. Jordan Poole, the fire went off. Andrew Wiggins. And, like, everyone's just feeling it. Everyone's just feeling it. But when the game is 87 to 87, four minutes going to fourth, is the fourth string guy, is the fourth option shooting at three if he's open? No. Because. Maybe on the Warriors because they dumb. 
you know what I'm saying? But on most teams, no. Most you know teams, what I mean? but, they got to get but it back no, to the but like, I just, I just feel like in that situation, if you don't catch that pass, you might deserve to be yelled at. You know what I'm saying? You were by yourself, like literally, like, you know what I mean? Literally and all along. So, so, so like, like, yeah, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, don't come at me with football is the ultimate, you know, bravado and all that stuff. If you're afraid that Derek Carr is going to yell at you. Now, if you were saying that, if you were to tell me I'm scared or he was scared that Peyton Manning was going to yell at him, I understand that. If you told me that it was Tom Brady. But to know, him in that scenario, that dude's Peyton Manning. No, in because you've been scenario. playing like shit since day one of this season. So you ain't got no. Come on, Derek Carr. Yeah. Like, so, so like you threw this one good pass. You better get out my face and do it more consistently. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, that's what I'm saying. It's levels to it. I get what you're yeah. saying, but it's levels to it. You know what I mean? Like, if, if Ben Roethlisberger came over and yelled at me, I'd be like, damn, I got to get my shit together. You know what I'm saying? If, if I don't know, Kenny Jimmy Garoppolo, if Jimmy Garoppolo came over there yelling at me, I would be like, man, you're probably going to be in the hospital next week. Get out my face. You about to you strain your neck muscles yelling at me. Yeah, now. you know what I mean? Like right now, like you about to get, you, you need your tonsils <laughs> out just because you raised your voice at me. You about to miss two weeks. You know what I mean? But, uh, but yeah, then for my upset of the week, you know, I'm going New England over Miami. You know, uh, I think New England found something against Buffalo. Like we talk about confidence. You know, I think they have a certain confidence. And they played Miami well the first time. Yeah, and, and 29 it, points. And 29 points that New England put up, that's – because sometimes you can win a game ugly, 13-10, 13-9, and be like, oh. Right. But putting up 29 points and beating a division foe that's been beating you mercilessly since Tom Brady left. Yeah, it looks I like Jalen Ramsey might be back. You know, uh, we'll see. You know, I'm still taking Miami. Just I think just off just I think off of because Mike McDaniel's play calling is commiserate with the speed of his offensive players. Mm-hmm. That eventually the plays that he calls, they're gonna pop. All right, give me the give me the Jetropolitans, you know, over the Giants. I'll take that one too. You know, um, the Giants. You know they got off the mat last week. They 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 put it in, they put it on my skins or my commanders, if you will, and they still only scored fourteen points. Got your boy Allen ready to quit uh, playing football. Hey, I feel like I feel like Jonathan. I'm sick of this shit too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Ryan Clark said it best. He was like, "Listen, you see a man in a do rag, chain, sunglasses, shirt unbuttoned with his chest out. He's gonna give you the real." <laughs> he's not gonna give you a filtered answer well, well, he, he chose violence in that interview well well you know i like the jets coming off the bye you know um it looks like Jan- daniel jones as of before we record it you know i looked it up and it looks like he still may not be cleared to take contact so maybe tyrod taylor again more than likely so um but i like the jets i just think that they see the season in front of them now buffalo's not what we thought they were you know, Miami looked human last week. So I think the Jets have an opportunity here to get back into position here. The so, rare double home game. Yep. And then you got, uh, I got Pittsburgh over Jacksonville. I've seen a lot of people picking Jacksonville. I'm not picking you know? it. I'm not going to pick Mike against Mike Tomlin when I think it's, when I think it's a toss up, I'm going to pick Mike Tomlin. Well, well, like, like everybody seems to think, and I agree, 
that Pittsburgh is going to have trouble because Jacksonville is going to get a lot of pressure because that offensive line is not good, you know, but I think Pittsburgh will do enough at home to win. Uh, Are offensive lines really that bad or is it a matter of like scheme? Because Well, I think it's a couple of different things because like with somebody like, well, with, with somebody like Sam Howell, for example, you know, you brought up like, well, yeah, you just need to get rid of the ball. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, well, yeah, like the offensive line, even your best offensive line is only going to hold a block for so long. You got two right? and a half seconds to make your mind up. And by the third second, the ball better it's be too gone. Late. Yeah, it's too late. Unless so, you rolled out. You know, and, and but when you look at it, you look at people like, you know, Russell Wilson, you know, holding on to the ball, you know, waiting for the big play to open up and you end up taking a sack. You know, we say, Oh, the line is terrible, but like and, yeah, and you, that goes against the line. It's like, oh, you held on to the ball for five and a half seconds, and this guy that I I thought the ball was gone because I've been at well, practice all So week. obviously the line was so now, doing good if you so can hold the ball for that ding. long. Yes, yeah, so now yeah. we get a ding for a sack, which knocks us down in the in the pro right. football focus mathematical analytical scale or whatever. Yep. And then I'm a little sad because this may be Chase Young's last game as a commander. You know, as he uh, goes to Atlanta next, I appreciate that. You know, last, this. You got one of second round pick. We got a couple of those. <laughs> last time, you know, played Philly a couple of weeks ago. You know, AJ Brown went uh nine catches for 175. Ron Rivera had the chance to go for two, you know, before he overtime. And he should have gone for, for it. Always, you know, win or lose, he should have went for it. And then in overtime, there may have been a little bit of buffoonery you know, on the Terry McLaurin catch on the sideline. So, you know, uh, you know, I think Washington keeps it close. It's a division game. They're going to fight. You know, remember last year, you know, Washington gave Philly their first loss on Monday Night Football. So these things happen. But Philly's going to win. But I think it's going to be close and something that even Jonathan when, Allen can be proud of. So when trade deadline is next Thursday, correct? Correct. Washington decides. So right now I'm in Jersey. It is Friday morning. Yep, one in the morning. They decided two o'clock today. We're gonna trade Chase Young. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna seek trades. They're not gonna play him. Right. That's that can be bad because I think I think he is. One of those players that number two overall pick. He hasn't had a bad career. No, he hasn't. He was injured and missed a year. He injured. He was injured, missed a year, and then the team has just been in such turmoil. I do think. I don't know. I don't know if you can expect these guys to want to do more or be better when you put them in these situations where it's like. I do think that there's. I'm out here grinding. I think there's been some plays that I've seen where he kind of lame ducks it. You know, um, I don't know if that's because of the team. I don't know if that's frustration. I don't know, you know, if it's like, hey, the play ain't over here. Like, I don't got to use this extra energy. You know what I mean? We watch football. They play football. We know what it looks like when it's bad. Yeah. We know what it's – I don't don't want to lose him. I don't want to lose him. The quarterback – you know what it looks like when the quarterback looks overmatched or the coach looks. Ron Rivera has not looked like he's been in control of 
that team in the trenches, like in in game for a couple of years. Well, I don't I don't I don't want him to go, but the team doesn't want to pay him. So, you know, like it's not up to me, but you might as well go ahead, call down Atlanta, get you a little third or fourth round pick. Yeah, why not? We already beat them. No, maybe beat. a second next year. Cool, I'll take that. But go ahead, give me another, <laughs> give me another rusher. We're not paying you know, anybody, but we paying Bates, and that's it. Bates, Calais Campbell has a minimal deal. Uh, I think Patterson has a a better deal. You know, Ritter, London, and Pitts all on their rookie contracts. All their rookie contracts. Uh, Pitts is going to get traded when and before they pay him because they're not going to use him enough to where he can demand the money based off how he looks, essentially. Because any any kind of contract negotiation he would have would be based off of like my potential as this unicorn of a position right. player. Right. Because they haven't given they haven't given him the stats. He's going to be he's going to be in that he's going to be in that Jimmy Graham position where he's like, "Yo, pay me like a receiver." But he doesn't have the numbers to, to argue that. What he's gonna he's, he's gonna pay me because I could be. And, oh, he, could, be and he could be. It's just you know, Art Smith just ain't using them right. But uh, like, don't give it a ball to eight. For you know, reason. I got a. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing. I got Seattle over Cleveland. You know, it looks like PJ Walker's gonna get the start. You know, uh, Deshaun, Deshaun's out yeah, again. Watson's out indefinitely now. Yeah, like, and he came out today and said like. It's not that he doesn't want to play. Is it a mental thing? I don't know. I mean, he got hurt. Like, I mean, he was hurt, you know, two weeks ago. They said he yeah. he's been cleared twice from his injuries. Yeah, one so of them being know. a concussion. The concussion they don't like to clear because that's a bait. That's right. a potential billion dollar lawsuit that the NFL doesn't want to play. Hence, why they have all these concussion neurologists, independent people. So if yep. they cleared him, yeah, and we, maybe and we got and we got Brock Purdy in protocol. You know, so is he going to be able to go? It sounds like he came back to practice, but we'll see. Um, either way, I'm picking Cincinnati. I'm taking uh, San Francisco on that one. Okay, I'm taking Cincinnati. Sam Darnold, I'll take. I'll take San Francisco. Ew, you nasty. Um, okay. <laughs> I just, you I nasty. just think that Kirk Cousins and the Kirk Cousins and Kevin O'Connell on Monday night were in such synergy and unison on their play calls because. They just had it. Just they had perfect play calls. Kirk Cousins had just enough time to make some of these throws because they had a drag route that the underneath linebacker would cover, and he would hit the dig route behind it. Yeah. Whereas you know, with a half a second left blocking up front, he would have to throw that little drag route. Fred Warner's right there, third and seven. Now it's fourth and three. Whereas Fred Warner had to slide with the drag route because the pressure didn't get there. And now, uh, what's the number four? What was his name? I keep forgetting his name. Um, Palmer? Uh, blank right now. Yeah. So he would come behind that drag route and be open. And now 12-yard game, first down. That's what they didn't get a lot of points, but they were they were able to keep moving the ball. But I think that was those were like perfect play calls for those situations. I'm not sure if Cincinnati has that kind of synergy because a lot of the wide receivers are upset because they're not getting the ball. Joe Burrow last season was eight yards in the attempt. Mags down to five point three. That lets me know either because they have the same wide receiver core. 
So it's not like he lost anything there. Well, I mean, he he was hurt too. You know what I he mean? Like some limited movement and limited not movement. able to extend but the, the play. Why receiver don't care, dog? You out there? I need yeah. this ball. Yeah, he, give me the ball. Yeah, give me the ball. I'm open. Give me the ball. But it's like, yo, dog, I can't, I can't, I can't throw that pass consistently because I got to get rid of it now. So I think San Francisco is going to give them hell. They they're not going to lose three games in a row. So, hey, if Brock Purdy ain't play, it's all off the table. Uh. Ravens over Arizona, you know, no big soliloquy there. Uh, Kansas yeah. City over Denver, you know. Um, I think that might be tight. I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, it's gonna be tight, Denver, but yeah, Denver. yeah, yeah, it's gonna be tight. But Kansas, I'm not. Kansas City's gonna win. I got 28 17, but it'll be a, a late touchdown by Kansas City. I can City see it being closer than that. 17. I can see it being closer. It's gonna be 21 17, and then Kansas City gets a late touchdown, makes it 28 17, and then and then. You know, the Brandon Staley, you know, Eberflus matchup. You know, I'm going to take the hot Chargers. This is hot seat. Air yeah. fryer versus deep fryer out here. Yeah, I'm going to take the Chargers. I'm going to take Chicago because Los Angeles Chargers defense is on pace to be the worst pass defense in the history of the NFL. That's a long time. <laughs> 100 years. 100 that is, years. That is a long time. I just don't yeah. see the Bears getting stops against the Chargers. And then uh, Monday night, of course, I'm going to pick Detroit. You know, over Oakland, aka Las Vegas. You know, whoever uh, thought we get a Lions Raiders Monday night game following Chargers Bears on Sunday night, and then Thursday night, next Thursday night, you know, we got Pittsburgh and Tennessee. Orton, is it? Yeah, 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 that's gonna be awful. So, yeah, you know, the boy Nate, he'll be on, um. Derek Henry will be on another team by then. Yeah, we'll see. Probably Minnesota. We'll see. And then now, you know, it's time to talk a little baseball. You know, we got the World Series starting tomorrow night. I'm going to take my surprise team, the Arizona Diamondbacks, in six games, you know, over the Rangers. You know, uh, Corbin Carroll is my MVP. Uh, The Rangers, you know, have never won the World Series, you know, uh, Arizona won it back in 2001. Randy Johnson, Kurt Schilling, all that, you know. But what was interesting to me was I was thinking about this, and I heard somebody say on TV, like, so I knew that the Rangers never won a World Series, but it was one of those right. things. It was one of those things that when I heard it on TV, it was like, no, nah, they won one, you know. And I remember they went to back-to-back World Series, you know, about. 11, 12 years ago, back in like 2010 and 2011, you know, they they lost to the Giants. Giants got hot, you know, and just they ran into them at the wrong time. Then they played the Cardinals the next year, and they were one out away. They were one strike away. You know, they they went up in that game against the Cardinals. Um, You know, they were up 7-4 to going into the seventh inning. You know, and David Freese became a star. You know, he hit the two-run homer when it was 7-5 to to get it to extra innings. Then at the top of the 10th, everybody's favorite drug addict, Josh Hamilton. You know. Yo, people loved him. Yeah, he got more chances than anybody. I don't ever, like, you know, like, you know, he got, I don't want to do the privilege thing, but he got the chances. You know what I mean? But uh, he hit a two-run homer, made it 9-7. to you know, it was like, oh, the Rangers are finally going to do it. And then Freezy came back up. 
and he smacked another one, you know. So the Cardinals ended up winning 10 9 and winning the World Series. You know, uh, you know, it was Heartbreak City for the Rangers. You know, I remember Ron Washington was their manager. You know, he's like the second favorite drug addict, you know, but uh I just think this I think the Rangers are the better team. So that's first and foremost. I do think they are the better team. I think that Arizona's bullpen is just playing well. And when we get to the middle, late innings, like, you know, we watch boxing. They talk about the championship rounds, you know. So when we get to the championship rounds, I think that's where Arizona's advantage lies. Okay, I'm going to pick Texas because I was born there. For sure. That's it. That's all I'm going with now. <laughs> uh, but, but let's get to this baseball. Like so, so like you know, we talked about it earlier this year. I'm not a fan of the playoff format. You know, I liked baseball's playoff at one point because it was minimum access, so it felt like it meant something. But now we got all these extra wild card spots. But well, still, I, even I with- like the extra ones. I didn't like the uh, the one game playoff wild card. Yeah, I don't like that either. I, yeah. I didn't like that. I like the best of three. I like especially the best of five. if, especially if we've played thirteen times this season, and I have an eight to five advantage. I got a tiebreaker already. We don't need to play the one game. Uh, but I, I think baseball, what baseball does, and what other sports try to emulate, is that you can turn your team around. If you are willing to sacrifice the the pre the prior season, the Royals for years were just bottom feeders of the AL Central, mm-hmm. just constantly fourth in the AL Central, just always out of playoff run before around the All Star break in July. They were just like your season's done, so they would trade off their best pitcher, and they would get the Yankees' best prospects or the Angels' best prospects or whomever. And then those guys will start playing. And then they would be bad again the next year, and they would do it again. So they do this for two two seasons, and then they come out that third season like gangbusters. And it's like, oh, these guys are on because you traded for these guys, you got them in your system, and you prepare for this date where you're going to unleash them yeah. On the lead, and, and speaking of which, put me in for the Tigers next year is my surprise team. But that's the thing that can happen. Your surprise team can actually be like I can't with the straight face say, "Put me in for the Orlando Magic in the NBA Finals." Because <laughs> there's no format really other than just the draft. Right, trades are always lopsided. Players have all the leverage. For instance, Dame Lillard. If Dame Willard was willing to go to Orlando versus being staunched about going to Miami, who just went to the finals? If he was like, yo, if or Kyrie was like, yo, trade me to Orlando, he yeah, he might take the ball out of somebody else's hands, but you pair it with that young core of players, you got something. Mm-hmm. Say let me think. I know San I watched San Antonio last night. They had a lot of guys, and somebody posted either in one our sports group that we're in together or a different one. And he said, I don't know any of these Spurs players. Oh, yeah, that was Ray John. Yeah. Yes, but they were playing, they were playing hard. So with the NBA, they would want you to trade away four of those guys to get Giannis. 
mm-hmm. and then wonder why your team is successful. It's like, no, in, in the baseball world, give me your one. I'll give you my one best pitcher. Give me your prospects. Give me your guys that are up and coming. Let me groom him. So it's like I'm I'm willing to accept because the art of a good business deal is that both people walk away from the table unhappy. Because if you got everything you wanted out of the deal, then this other person got fleeced. So everybody has to lose a little something. So I'm gonna lose the starting left hander that you know I was paying twenty five million dollars to, who's a top quality, and you know MLB pitcher. But you're gonna lose these three prospects that could have been something for your organization, but now they're gonna be something for mine. Mm-hmm. So you gotta see if this one left-handed pitcher is worth these three prospects. And I have to see if giving up that left-handed pitcher is worth these three prospects. So we're in the same position, but it'll work out for you this year. You'll make the Scherzer move. You'll make the Verlander move. You'll get the AC, you know, ALCS or the NLDS, or you make the world series. You even win it off of that move, adding the third or fourth, you know, stud, right-hander left-hander in your pitching rotation mm-hmm. so you 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 can you can make that run that year so you make the trade in june from june to september you're unbeatable now you make this run through october you're world series champion but the royals are like bet in two years that's gonna be us and yeah. we're gonna go we're gonna trade some of these other prospects to go get that left-hander from seattle because they're out of it and that we're well, gonna you know, make yeah. run. you know oakland does that as well you know they get they get really, really young. Then they'll get it together, win like 90 games, get into the playoffs for two years, and then start all over, all over again. Yeah. You know, as they go to Vegas, probably coming up here soon. Which but, uh, in the world. but, but you know, but yeah, like, so when you look at the NBA, you know, generally the best team wins. You know, in the NFL, you know, it's usually about matchups more than it is about this team has more talent than the other team or whatever. Like, you know, like Kansas City just has Patrick Mahomes, so they just tend to win a lot. But like generally speaking, it's just, hey, this is probably the best team, but they can't stop Derrick Henry. Or, you know, or, you know, this quarterback just has success against this coach or whatever it might be. So, yeah. you know, in college football, you know, you tend to end up with dynasties because of recruiting, you know. So like the same schools are going to get the great players all the time. So now the transfer portal is kind of mixing it up a little bit because you get a Michael Penix to Washington, you know, you get Bo Nix to Oregon, so on and so forth. Caleb Williams to USC. Caleb Williams to USC, you know, and then and but in baseball, it's truly like I don't know what the word is, but it's just random. Like you know, what pitcher gets hot and what pitcher can pitch on short rest. Who can you know. go on three days? What? Yeah, because I know in MLB managers aren't the NFL head coach, NBA coach. I would say NFL football coaches in general. Football head coaches are known and kind of regarded as these these mental tacticians that put things in place that make the engine go. MLB managers don't get that same kind of respect i think people give them the blame if right. a guy that they put to bat fifth doesn't hit 
But if they put if they move that guy from third to fifth and the guy from fifth to third and they both start hitting, they'll give the player credit and the manager is expendable. Right. So I think the manager and a lot of baseball teams are expendable. So what you end up getting is the this desire to like hold on to these prospects. I think that's probably one of the best attributes that MLB GMs have is that most games are single digit runs. It's not as if the top teams are scoring 11 runs a game and the teams at the bottom are scoring two or three, like the pirates and now the, the diamondbacks sort of represent the NL, the National League and the World Series, they probably weren't off in runs. So it's just a matter of like, can we manufacture five and a half to six runs a game? Right. You know, like right now in NFL, you have a team like you said, like Green Bay hasn't scored over. They haven't scored 20 points in their last four games. 20 points in the last four games where Indy put up 38 on the one of the best defenses in the league. Mm-hmm. But they'll both go home with the loss. But if they played each other and they'll look at it like, oh, these guys are averaging 31 and we're averaging 18 as a huge gap. But if a guy's if a team, you know, be the average of five, six runs a game, they're like, oh, we can make up for that by getting better pitching. We can make up for that by giving up this prospect. Mm-hmm. And I think they make that recognition quicker. And I don't want to say it's not a lot of loyalty, but I think the loyalty is to the next move. And they're right. all, they all seem to be willing to make the next move. Some teams hold on a little longer because you give a guy a big enough deal. You give him a Chato, 10 years, 330 million. You know, Bryce Harper, I think he has like 13 years, 400 million. Mike Trout. So those guys are locked in. But like Grinky, he's he moves, he's moved around. Uh then you have, you know, like just like those kind of guys. Scherzer's moved around, Verland has gone back and forth. Mm-hmm. You know, Scherzer guys are in the World Series, by the way. Yeah. So like that's that's the thing I think with baseball is like it's not that it's, it's not like a lack of loyalty. I think it's just they are present in the moment that this isn't forever. That's why their right. playoffs don't last forever. It was like, yo, let's we gotta play this whole season. We gotta play 162 game in 181 days or something like that. Yeah. So it was like we don't have time to be thinking but, but ah, I still... maybe next week, maybe next week. But I know when we first started this podcast, you know, you used to always talk about, like, how come I don't ever see baseball in my feed? How come I don't see highlights? Like, how come I don't see this? Like, and I'm still not seeing that stuff. I think because it's it's look it's become a little niche. So you have you have some world impact mainly with your Caribbean players, like that region, Dominican, Puerto Rican, Cuban players. So I think that popularity is there. I think there is a passionate group of baseball fans in America that are very dedicated to the sport. Mm-hmm. But they're I think old. <laughs> I think that's what they're good with. I think yeah. they. I think baseball in and of itself, because they are America's pastime, it's played everywhere. Like there's baseball leagues, every community, anyone can get involved. It's not so. 
it's not so like you know such like this minutia that's that this this niche sport that everyone can play and enjoy like i say you know you get dominican kids they don't have the same financial uh imp- input to plan a sport like they do in the states like uh a friend of our family friend of ours their son plays travel baseball and i think the last couple of years they've traveled tennessee Years back, they've gone from Jersey to Florida, but he's like, for the most part, the last few years, they've just been all over Jersey, a little Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia. Like they, they've kind of kept it in that mm-hmm. region, but that still costs. So right. I think that's another thing is like because so many people play travel baseball. A lot of us play baseball growing up, especially if you're my age. If you're my age, you played baseball a couple of times growing up. You got two or three trophies and pitchers in your house from playing baseball t-ball might mm-hmm. even you know so so it's so if my son was more into baseball i probably would have him play more but he played a couple of times it just wasn't for him so that i think yeah. that's what it, i think that's what it is i think because baseball is my dad played baseball my uncles played baseball so it's just all those people are still alive so we all like understand and like want to be involved in baseball it hasn't like faded away yeah i just i don't see young people talk about baseball a lot you know um just from you know the water cooler talk and just within sports groups like you know you might see a baseball post when the playoffs come you know or like you might have one person in your group that taylor swift to date a baseball player Maybe that's what it is, you know. Ariana Grande, you know, at the Dodgers game or something. I don't know. Yeah, maybe um, but, something like that. And I think that's what it is. Like, baseball, is, that's a good way to – yeah, that's a good point. Baseball isn't mainstream, even though – They don't market a, their players, even though you can see right. their faces. Bryce Harper right. should be on everything. Right. Bryce Harper's face should be on everything. He should be Shohei on the commercials. Should be on a cereal box. Shohei should be in commercials with a translator and make it part of his his allure that you know he can well, hit home runs. He should be. Well, you know, sometimes like back in the day. Well, back in the day, you know, I used to see uh, you know, we saw Carl Malone and Dennis Rodman with the NWO, and you know, Carl Malone was teaming with Hulk Hogan, or like you know, you see like Joey Bosa, you know, at or which one plays for the 49ers? Uh yeah, Joey Bosa. Nick. Nick, Nick Bosa, you see him at the WWE events, you know, whatever. Like, I don't see baseball players in that. That's still, that's still kind of catering into another niche environment. I'm talking about in a head and shoulders commercial. Well, I mean, yeah. And but a who would, commercial. So, like, would everybody recognize them? Because I still don't know what Mike Trout looked like. Well, you have to put him in a commercial with his baseball hat on or like a baseball bat in his helmet with no team logo. You know how like, they do right, like right, the generic. Right, right. So you'd have to do that. You have to put them on TV shows in the off season. Instead of having them go to shows talking about baseball, you put them on a popular sports podcast. You have them talking to Stephen A. Smith. You have them and putting, you know, talking about basketball. Just say, hey, we got Bryce Harper here in Philadelphia Phillies. You know, he's going to talk about how he feels about the 76ers, whatever the case may be. It's just a matter of marketing the face because they don't wear masks. Right. So it should be easy to sell them. Most of them are, you know, you know, handsome white guys. Let's, let's, you know, handsome all American white guys, six foot two, six foot three, 
brown hair. Some guys are doing a long hair thing. Some guys are doing the beard. So all the things that make them marketable is you know, on a social media platform. Because that's how the NBA players started getting that acclaim. Because social, like I was talking to someone about this years ago. When the NBA players started wearing those crazy outfits to, to work. Because let's keep it a bean. I get it. Your fashion sense is your fashion sense. But, I mean, you out here in a, a lime green Balenciaga outfit that's baggy up top but tight at the waist and shower curtain rings at the bottom and these lime green Balenciaga shoes. It's like, I I get it. That's your style. But it looks crazy. But NBA but players. People react to it. NBA players look like models, too. Tall, slender, very skinny. Not a lot of guys are bulky. So you have the added of they don't wear a mask. They're global because China's huge in the NBA. They love basketball. And just they're, the, the sport is global, just like soccer players. So you, you have this easy avenue to sell them. Baseball players, you have some of those guys that are you know, on that same fashion as with the Balenciaga stuff the Chanel bags and, and carrying the purses and the Gucci and all the other high-end brands, you know, Alexander McQueen, so forth and so on. But that is showcased by the, like, there's no reason for a it's guy to be It's not in line camera. with the baseball principles. And yeah, there's no reason for there to be a cameraman in the underground because they're not even filming the cars. They're inside of the building from the parking lot. Right. So they're not even worried about the cars. They're just, they want to see the guy with bag he's carrying, if he's wearing a fur, what is he, you know, like right. whatever he's doing. Is he wearing a cupcake hat? Whatever the case may be. <laughs> so the NBA leaned into that, we'll call it what, eight years ago? Give or take, yeah. About eight, 10 years ago, to the point where ESPN started doing the commercials about it. Baseball hasn't really leaned into anything outside of baseball to attract people. And, and I think that's the I think that's the piece that kind of sets them apart. Mm-hmm. Or sets them back. Sets them back or apart. It depends on what vantage point you're looking at it. Because to them, we're selling out these stadiums for the World Series. And Fox is playing all of our games. We our contract got renewed and we got Derek G to be a commentator. We have Ortiz, we got Alex Rodriguez, we have, you know, all these guys coming to contribute on our public forums right so. it makes sense you know but hey ladies and gentlemen thank you for joining us you know it's it's friday morning now you know even as i sit here an hour behind mr logical you're so we'll be back next week of course you know keep your eyes out for two five daily and all of that you know like review subscribe it's all free. See if any of these picks worked out. That's right. Enjoy Texas. your football. Let's go, Texas. Enjoy your football. Enjoy your weekends. God bless. And we love you. Yeah. Peace.